Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Coaching Show. I almost said the name of a different show. I think, I think that might be a sign I'm, I'm hosting too many different podcasts. <laughs> this is Alex Saranova. I am hosting for Christopher McAuliffe today. He is out, as always, doing very important things in the world. Um, and we have Craig Cassie back. What's up, Craig? Happy to be back. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. We missed you. It's like, I mean, we, we didn't do this on purpose. Also, we didn't bring you back for Pride. It just worked out this way. <laughs> well, the universe has its ways of working out for that. <laughs> Christopher, if you're listening, thank you so much. Um, for people that if, if this is your first time listening to the coaching show, Craig steps in often when if I can't be here or if Christopher can't be here, usually it's it's Christopher and I. Um, if you don't know who I am, um, obviously my name is Alex Terranova. I'm a personal and professional performance alchemist and coach. I'm a two-time author. I wrote a book called Fictional Authenticity, which you can get on Amazon. I contributed a chapter to a book called Redefining Masculinity. And I'm working on a third book that, ooh, a couple months called How Dreams Are Built. I'm also the host of the Dream Mason podcast, the Frequency Shifters show. And I work with men whose achievements and financial successes have not created the rewarding life of joy and fulfillment that they desire. And Craig, from the boardroom to the bedroom, best tagline ever. Uh, Craig, you are an executive life and business set and sex coach. And you, you're really helping people live deliciously everywhere in their life. Um, and you've been nomading it. Uh, people can find you at, uh, let's see, one of them is Craig Cassie Jr., which is on IG, right? C-A-S-S-E-Y. You got it. And then CraigCassie.com. They can check out your coaching services and whatnot. And you can find me at thedreammason.com. Um, really quick, before we introduce our, our guest, because we're going to get into some fun stuff. Uh, anything you want to share besides that you've been nomading and traveling? And I mean, just that life is both good and wild right now, at least in the States. There's been what feels like a lot of collective uh, trauma, but also triumphs as of late. You know, we mm -hmm. recently just got the first ever bipartisan movement for gun safety legislation, which is huge and also hasn't come through to fruition yet. So the question that I've kind of been nursing this morning is, you know, when is enough enough when it comes to the stuff that we don't want to deal with? But then also for me, my life's gotten so tasty and I've recently realized I put a cap also on how much pleasure I've been willing to allow even more. It's almost like when is enough enough of having a good life as opposed to pursuing a great life? Mm. You just get there's so there's so many things there too. The I just heard that idea yesterday that pleasure is a way of being, which was like a wait what? How's pleasure? Right, like I, that that I just heard that yesterday. So love that you kind of brought that in. I'm at something I'm playing with, um, but I had a, I recorded an episode for the Dream Mason podcast right before this where I was talking about how the thing that is triggering most for me in like the politics and the things in the world is we've created it. where like, you're a Yankee fan or you're a Dodger fan, or better said, you're a Yankee fan or you're a Red Sox fan. And you're like diehard for that team. And you've forgotten you're actually a baseball fan that without yeah. baseball, those teams don't exist. And that it's like, we've forgotten we're humans and we're with humans and the commitment is to humans, right? It's bigger than just like America. And we've forgotten that. So now we're just like, oh no, I'm a, I'm a left or I'm right or I'm red or I'm blue or I'm this. And it's, it's like, there's baseball suffering, you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, and yeah, it's tough for me. I have to, to keep my pleasure intact let's say i have to manage like because i like knowing what's happening in the world i love reading and consuming i do have to manage like hey no more today like that's it that's what you get today and you got to shut it down um 
What a great metaphor, the baseball metaphor. And that's Laura Fink. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Um, is there anything you want to all introduce you in a second? Do you want to contribute anything to this? To this conversation? Yeah, to this piece. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the big inclusivity movement that came about. Um, I think now is a time to really uh, check in with ourselves. Like it could plateau because now there's there's new movements and there's lots going on, or we could continue to really stay vigilant and stand for what we want, but not from the us versus them concept. Like how can we continue the we conversation, stand inside a relationship? Mm. Her, it's a, a tough question. conversation. I have a question mm -hmm. for both of you. This is something I was at a um, sound bath last night, like a yo yoga and sound bath. And I had this hit while I was there. And it was it was for a client that I'm working with who wanted to have this breakthrough around keeping their heart open in love. And then they decided that in this situation that like, nope, this person wasn't for them. They weren't attracted to them, all these things. And I was trying to play with this idea that like, hey, they could be fully right about that that this person not being for them, this person not being a great match and who they were being was heart closed about it. And I, and I'm tr and I was trying I was like wrestling with how do I say that in a way that they can feel like really validated in their choice but also hear that they miss the 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 heart opening and and I heard what you just said Laura about like it's it feels like the same kind of thing like we can all stand for what we're committed to and what we want but how do we keep our hearts open at the same time? Oh my God, I love that too. It's hard because when we feel scared, we close, or at least I do. I protect myself mm -hmm. and be like, nope, other. Yeah. Or something. I think in general, as human, it's, it's harder for at least, again, me uh, to keep heart open as much as possible. I always wonder if, from my personal experience in my current, you know, three year long relationship, happy, loving, my heart closes and opens all the time. And one of my breakthroughs has been not making that wrong or not making my heart closing damning towards my partner. Because so I used to make it mean, oh, if I'm shutting down, clearly they're not for me. But the choice to, in that moment, practice reopening back up, just see what there is there. Like for that client, you're right. That person could totally not have been for them. And there's something initiating that heartbreak. You know, I get curious, is it the fact that they feel like they struck out again or that they tried and it didn't work out? or that it may never work out because there's something that probably is leading to the heart closing, which is actually the access point to the relationship they want. And this is the same in business. I don't know about for you, Laura, or you, Alex, but whenever I get really close to pursuing that next juicy vision, I find the first thing my body does to like opt out of it is my heart closes, my vision gets small, <laughs> my body distracts itself with other things. It's such a way of being, keeping your heart open. But I love that too. It's not right or wrong. It's just noticing. It took me a long time to even notice. Like, I'm like, I don't need you heart. Especially in business. Uh, Got to keep going. Be a machine. Operate. Business. Be effective. Yeah. Business, politics, like the, the, ma the masculine. Yes. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Which aren't really working for most of us most of the time um all right wait let me tell people who laura if they who they don't know if they don't recognize your voice and they don't know you um this is laura fink who you just heard jump but you know pop in and contribute to this conversation um before i even say who she is i just want to say like on a personal note like i wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for you and your heart and your training uh, Laura was one of the leaders. Um, I would say that you were the co-leader, I think, right? Yeah, you were the co-leader with Christopher right. when I did my coach training with accomplishment coaching. Um, and, you know, Christopher was often like the 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 punchy right in the throat leader. Yeah. And uh, Laura, while you were often like softer and brought more heart and more ease you also were fierce like there was it was a different you weren't like a it wasn't like you were this pushover softy you're he there was a fierceness that i actually just would describe and i don't know if you think of yourself like this as it's what power looks like from the feminine it looks fierce it doesn't look dominating and masculine power often looks dominating which i think is actually a boy a childlike 
version of the masculine. Um, mm-hmm. And and from men and women, it would look fierce, but you really empowered that. And I'm I'm like really present to who you were for me in my process. So it's cool to be sitting here with you. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, Laura is a professional certified coach. Um, you do individual corporate uh, and group training, coaching. You're a wife, you're a mother, you have two children. You're an yeah. avid seeker of all things related to personal and spiritual growth. And you specialize in working with high performers and perfection, perfectionist individuals in order to break them free from the inner dialogue that drives them in order to create a more empowering sense of self that will have them execute their goals and aspirations with precision and efficiency. Mm-hmm. Your, I, I'm curious about this one part like that in your bio that I'm, I'm obviously reading, but um, you you talk about like wanting to craft a higher and better self in a unique sense of leadership. What does that mean? What's a unique, what's like the unique sense of leadership that you're striving to help people create? Well, it's kind of what you spoke about the feminine leadership. I was one of the first. Okay. Because when I entered accomplishment coaching, I was young. I was 27, I believe. And I just graduated with my master's in social work, very feminine, the helper, kind of the martyr, sensitive group. And I went immediately into accomplishment coaching and I was wowed. However, it was a very patriarchy, um, white dominant culture where uh, everything was very strong and like the work ethic and perfectionism. And um, I liked it a lot, but I couldn't feel, or I didn't feel like I could bring my full self. I couldn't bring the sophomore because that wasn't allowed. And that wasn't just at accomplishment coaching it was a dominant culture. So then I started really um, hating on myself. Like shit, Laura, don't be soft. Don't be sweet. Don't be all the things, but it was kind of on brand with the, again, the dominant culture. I was like, yeah, Laura, don't do that. That's not leadership. Um, and then I really had to push against and have compassion for myself and kind of be able to bring all sides of me into leadership. So I think that's created a space and a calling for me to help all, especially women, bring forth their unique leadership, not in a way that's like, I need to wear this button down suit and be stern and strong to be a leader. So it's been really important to me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to, without getting into like all of it, one of the things I really like, like about you that I, that I see in myself and I see in Craig and there's a few, there's a few other coaches that I know that really have this is there's a, there's a, a wide range of who you are as a human. Right. You're you're a mother, you're a wife, you're you have a you have a master's, you're a coach. But you're what one of the things I often find is like when people get into the personal development world is they kind of go like one or the other. It's like they're all things personal growth, and it's like they don't do anything kind of bad or fun, or it's like the opposite that people are, you know, rejecting personal growth. And I really appreciate when I get to see people who leave, live full human lives, that the human is, is, has so many different arms and things that we're interested in. And it's, and and I I just like that, that balance. And I really see that in your life. It's not just the one thing that you put all your attention into. Oh, that's so cool to hear. Yeah. It all happened really quickly. Like I entered that program and then uh, I was already, engaged or I don't know something with Josh and then got married and then had kids immediately so there was integration right off the bat yeah personal development is not my identity but it is it's something that I always strive for I always want to be better probably what got me into the coaching profession and initially social work profession so there was a lot there I don't know if Craig if you want to I have, I have another, there's a question I have about the, um, that I'm going to let you jump in after this. Um, but I, I want to know what was the biggest, uh, because you said you, you got your master's, what was the biggest kind of, uh, challenge in going from looking at things from like a psychological 
perspective to like an ontological and coaching perspective? Is there anything that was like challenging or hard or? Oof. Uh, it's been a little while, so I haven't really thought about it, but I did have to unlearn stuff. Again, it was kind of like the, the coaching realm is more confrontational and more in your face. <laughs> and the psychological was a bit more uh, validation. Like, oh, let's understand why you are this way. And again, when I first entered the scene in coaching, that was like very off limits, off topic, like who cares? But now, now there's a lot more overlap. There's a lot more care about what's your lived experience. Like the context is not just a story. It actually came from somewhere. Let's talk about it. So there's a lot more compassion in the space, in my opinion, than there was when I first entered. That I kind of had to be like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about feelings past compassion. I love hearing that. You know, my curiosity goes as someone who's so committed to self-development, but also, you know, came at the beginning of your training from a patriarchal space where it was very competitive. I too began when I was 27 and trust me, I drank that Kool-Aid as a white cisgender queer dude. Admittedly, I was yeah. there rocket to be number one and to, you know, leave whoever my past I needed to. But yeah. I'm present to that that way of being was very, in a weird way, it's dehumanizing while being very achievement oriented. It's like what mattered was the end goal, not who I was being approaching it. Mm-hmm. So how have you found, you know, integrating your full humanity as a mother with your coaching flavor this many years in? Hmm. It's been a lot, like, unless you stop and reflect, life goes by so quick, especially with kids, I think. For a lot of it in the beginning, I have a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. It's survival. You're not really like being like, what's the best version of me or what's my best? I mean, you're always thinking about it because you're in the conversation, but there's a lot of survival happening. Um, and both me and my husband are really fast paced and we're high performers and, and we work hard and our oldest daughter is exactly the same way. We're kind of like, you're good, right? Can you crawl? Come on. I only have five minutes before my next session. Like, okay. And then she's like, okay, mommy. So she's like that kind of mentality, uh, probably a high performer, really intuitive, really smart, kind of gets the assignment. Mom and dad and me, we got to just run. And then the second kid, his name is Jonah. Um, We didn't know at the time, but really from the get-go, he's been a handful and he has special needs. He's developmentally delayed. He's speech delayed. He's got some behavioral issues, sweetest, kindest, most outgoing kid in the world, but he's such a handful. So I think he's been my biggest um, personal development journey of just slowing down and reprioritizing and assessing what's going on. Because if it wasn't for him, I'd probably be on the patriarchy, move faster, quicker, better, stronger at all times. I mean, the culture is still very dominant. The messaging, especially for women, maybe for everybody, but keep going. So I think that little guy is what's helped me the most. And he's been my biggest hardship. Hmm. Slow down and integrate all of you. Because if I if if it wasn't for them, I'd be working all hours of the night like I used to. Like I, I just gotta work. Time is money. I can make more money. How can I be more productive at all times? You shared with us before we hit record that you've done some like feminine work with. Yeah. And so now I'm like, I didn't know how this was going to come up, but now I'm curious because of what you just said, because that, what I know about the feminine work you've done is a lot of it is about slowing down, is about the experience. It's not about getting a result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will you speak to like that, you know, how that looks for you, the challenges, what what you're getting out of that? Yeah. Well, how I got to the journey, what it just, I only took that was that six months ago or a year ago? No, I did it last August until December. And um, what had happened that I had gotten there? I think like, again, you're just, I'm running all the time. 
it's kind of my MO. And I'm like, look at me, how fast I can run and how much I can do and how productive I can be. And also there's just so much in the space with kids and constantly with a Jonah, there's always something to address. Then I got to a point of like, I just feeling like a machine, like kind of dead inside, like what's going on down here? I don't know. And for the most part it worked because I had to just address stuff all the time. But I got to a point that I was like, I don't even know what I desire or what I want or femininity, like that softness had gone away. Productive, successful, making money, but nothing in there. So that's when I started that journey and it was tough. Like I told you, they were all LA bitches. And I was like, am I allowed to say that? Um, rolling my eyes. I love that you said that. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, and like kind of rolling my eyes, like, Oh, I don't have time to just like leisure around. And (laughs) I don't even know what they're doing. Um, I want to be productive. Productive was always the name of my game. I'm a child of an, I know I am an immigrant. Success is your only option. You got to keep going. Um, but it was really nice. It felt like a vacation every session. Like it was very slow conversation and you just digested everything. And being a coach, I'm all about goals, next milestone moving forward. So to be in a conversation about like, and, um, desire and no i was like wait you can femininity. You know, was that laura i must have caught that one part to be in a sex coach on sex. i know i know sex and like femininity and like getting back into your body it was it was a challenge but it was a nice and welcome challenge like i was ready to dive in what what's the what's the like lasting difference it's made Mm. It actually uh, brought up stuff to the surface that I was not even present to. So it got harder. It got harder because then you have to face stuff. If you're kind of operating in a shell of who you are and not really in touch with your body or your heart or um, just on the productivity train all the time you look within, you're like, oh, there's some things that I've been neglecting, like my relationship to myself, my relationship with Josh, my husband, um, who I am as a mom. And I had to get really present to like, what's up with that? Like, why am I, why am I so protecting myself? I remember I went to a Reiki healer for the first time. I've only been once, never going back again, but I went once (laughs) and I was like, let me like do this healing thing. I sound like such a bitch. And um, she did something and then she didn't say anything during the whole thing. Like I was expecting her to like, give me all the answers of the universe after an hour. She's like, I'm all done. And then she like handed me a note of all the things. It's like, I kind of cleared your head chakra, but it was really hard, but your root chakra, I couldn't. And I was like, bitch, what? I just spent an hour of my life. Like with you, you were supposed to clear it up and let it go. And she didn't. So I was so mad. I was so mad. And um, that was like another like, okay, what am I supposed to learn here? What am I holding on to so much? So after that, I did like some more healing work, but it's been like, I'm stubborn. Like that protective something was, has been really stubborn. I want all the control. I've been releasing that a little bit. A little bit. I, I can see the little bit. I'm excited for more, Laura. We all share. I've only had Reiki one time myself. And it uh-huh. came after a, an abusive relationship that had some physical violence towards the end. And uh, this was probably 12 years after I decided to stop experiencing anger as a child. You know, we learn weird things when we're kids. And one of my things was I saw the world around me. People got hurt from anger. I was going to completely stopped feeling anger. And I did that successfully to whatever positive negative outcomes that came about. But thankfully, you know, unlike your Reiki therapist, mine was also a talk therapist who talked the entire time while he was Reiki on me. Uh-huh. And the big breakthrough I had is he had me uh, share like the feeling 
of the trauma after the fact. You know, at first I said, uh, it was terrible. He was like, more. And I was like, it was the worst thing I've ever experienced. He was like, more. My body was still so rigid up until this point. And then finally, I just felt like my shoulders go back. And I shared that I felt like my soul had been uh, decimated, almost like a village that had been ransacked and burnt to the ground. And for the first time in over a decade, I let go of the control needed to hold back the anger and I just sobbed. So I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way, but there is something so protective about control, but so pleasurable about the release. But it really took somebody, I mean, holding me to the fire again and again and again until I had no control left to be able to finally have that breakthrough. And now I get angry all the time. It's great, but what a wild ride. You know, that was all in the Reiki session. Yeah, that was in one hour of a a room lit with purple lights and a lot of overgrown plants. (laughs) But whatever he did was working for me. But like, it really was a relinquishing that gave me access to finally let go of God, a decade's worth of pent up bullshit. It wasn't what it done, I'm sure. There's been a lot more anger (laughs) since then. But that, uh, I can totally relate to the one in control and also learning to uh. Well, notice like I even wanted control inside of the thing that I was like, I know I, I want to release control, but still in my way. Um, but the, the, so it's been a journey and I'm still in that process, but it's stubborn. It's stubborn. I, the willingness is not always there. I, I remember when I did my accomplishment coaching program and there was always this thing that like hey if you were going to like try something you had to do it twice so it seems like you you have another reiki session that you're <laughs> you're up. um i i've probably done reiki like 10 times um it was actually they did it last night at the at the sound bath um and the thing that i'm always present to is how especially if it's in a moment it presences you like somebody's touch, like all, like I'm in my head and they came by and they like, you know, did some woo woo magic on my head. And all of a sudden I feel it and I'm like present in the moment. Um, but I really, there's a, um, the thing that I would offer people or, or you, Laura, with, yeah. with Reiki is this idea that, you know, when you're sitting with someone and, and I'm sure you've had, you have this with your kids or in your relationship where you're sitting with someone and they're like, there's something they're not telling me or there's something they're not saying, or like, I can feel like when you know your partner's mad, but they're pretending not to be. And you're like, and you want to be like, what's wrong or whatever. I think that's the, that's Reiki. Now it's not in the the cleansing or the healing form of it, but it's that knowing that tapping into someone else's energy mm. and picking up on it. And I think the the difference with Reiki is that you're able to they're trained in essentially how to manipulate that, right? Whereas you, the three of us might be able to feel that energy on someone else. And I know we do this as coaches, right? To, which I, I'm actually curious too, is this like, for me, the hardest part of, as I go from my MCC is some of, is not, is to get outside of the results and like getting people somewhere and to just lean back and be like, hey, notice the sigh that you just let out what was that about, right? Like getting to that place. Um, does that show up anywhere for you? Everywhere. I mean, like that's what kind of got me more and more aware of the sense of control because before you're like, duh, everyone needs control. I need control. No, I need, I need it. The end. I'm not even going to question it. But when she said that, I'm like, shit, 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 shit. Like now what? Like no one can do this for you. You're going to have to energetically go in there and maybe not a one and done likely not it's a a choose constantly but release control um and then i'm actually i just got my mcc i didn't get it i got my calls so i'm ready to submit but the last one was like an 8.9 and she's like what a breakthrough no more control and i'm like wow that's cool (laughs) 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 but yeah the the no control thing my husband has said that to me, like, you cannot control me. You cannot control everything. I'm like, but why not? No, I'm just kidding. I am. I'm being kind of funny about it. It's, it's brought me a lot more hardship. Like I had to get to this place of like, it actually is um, 
there's more negative consequences than what I'm getting out of it. It's no longer serving me. So I have been releasing control. Little by little. And I need more. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McCullough brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcCullough.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcCullough.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McCulloch is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McCulloch, Master Certified Coach. Do you want to talk? Yeah. Do you want to talk about the you shared with us before we started that like is this part of the growth that you've been going through and the hard things you should you know I think oh yeah I think it's so important especially on a show like this that a lot of I think a lot of people that listen to this show are coaches that are you know like growing their coaching they're they're in the more earlier stages and I think that it's you know it's so easy to look at social media in the world and go out and like see all these successful coaches and like think that's what it looks like and I know I think like, I know more like you're going to share some, I know, at least for me, like in the last seven, eight years, there's been a lot of like, everything sucks. Everything's falling apart, like piecing it together to get to this place where it's been really good. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like this Instagram journey of joy and play and ease. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what's the, what's this growth period you've been going through? That's been really not an Instagram version of joy. No, it's not an Instagram. So tell us, (laughs) let's see, how can I articulate this? Um, Well, like professionally so good because that's always been kind of one of my top priorities that and family, like I'm, I'm very family oriented, but like, yeah, like, okay. My MCC thing, um, I make the money that I want. I don't even work that much. I'm kind of part-time. I'm, I get my kids off the bus every day at three. I take them to school every morning. Um, I take them to every activity. Like I'm very present and I make money, honey. So like really good. Um, we're all healthy. There's so much to be thankful for. And there's a lot of success in the space. Like made the most money I ever made last year by a lot, even leadership. Like I'm respected and people love me, blah, blah, blah. All cool but the sense of control keeps coming up. And before it worked for me, but in the past six months, ever since that journey that I, that I went on the, the program, um, I started questioning it more and more. I'm like, maybe these LA pitches are right. Like, what is there to do? And I think in one of the sessions, one of the women was like, Laura, we just all want to see your heart. And it breaks my heart that we can't see yours. And I was like, excuse me but it was like all those little pieces that had me get to a realization like maybe there's something here like Laura let's soften up like who were you before all this happened and um I started realizing like maybe this chronic low level constant irritability and uh fatigue isn't okay Maybe there's a different way, but I didn't know like that control was the access point. And then there was a lot of hardship with my marriage because of it that hadn't come out before until now. So then I was like, really like, okay, 
uh-oh, we're in trouble unless I really take a look at this. So that was the start of the journey. It's been really tough. Like you would think like, oh, just release control, but it's not that easy. It's been a lot of tears and a lot of heartache and chaos and fear in the day to day. I'm like, what will happen if I do that? Mostly inside of my head and meditating. So it's been a lot of that. Uh, I'm on the other side of it. So now I'm like, duh, you just release control and you move forward and you stop trying to control your husband or your kids or trying to control the outcome or the fate of your life. Um, but it's not that easy. Relatable. I don't know about you, Alex, <laughs> but from my WASP upbringing, I think we, my whole family has some control stuff in our space. And I love what you said. I think the most... Uh, body rush I got for speaking was when you said to not control like, the fate of your life, the fate of your destiny, because uh, I got into coaching to do just that, right? To be like the designer of my destiny and my future. And, and now I feel like the conversation I'm receiving more from the universe is one of like true co-creation where we're not forcing or I'm not forcing, but I'm really listening to the, the invitations mm -hmm. of what I'm called to do. And uh, one of the things that pops up for me in my relationship is, you know, the listening to the invitations is not necessarily a yes, you'll be together forever. It's a yes, you're here for right now, or yes, you're together for this next thing. And there's something so vulnerable of just allowing the not knowing for the future. I find that really hard to sit with. So I'm curious, I'm not a mama, you're a mama. You probably live with this more than I, but what advice might you have for listeners who are, who are still struggling sitting with giving up control and, and also being with that unknown regularly? Is it more in relationships? Cause that's where I struggle even more. It's really, um, how long have I been married? 10 years, maybe 11, been with Josh like 12 or something. Um, I always used to say, I wish I could have, he could be like my mannequin doll and I could just like twiddle him around and be like, do this. It used to be like my dream. And because whenever he doesn't do anything that I want, it like hurts me. And this was before I'm, I'm a little bit different now. Um, I want him to be exactly what I need. And it's such an ego response, right? What a personality, like, this is what I need. And you have to be there for me. Um, until he was literally like, you have to stop. He's just like very free person who is very independent. His world does not revolve around me. And it used to hurt until this whole process of really releasing control and what that means. Like everyone deserves the freedom, including you. Like, I think once I was able to release that control, I, I got more present to freedom in general. Cause it's, it's, it's fake to try to control anything, to try to control the relationship. You're always living in that fear. Hmm. Evan and I just had this, um, we had, it wasn't like an argument, but it was like a, it was a disagreement on something. And when we sat down to talk about it, she was like trying to explain how she felt and I and I sat there listen, listening and the whole time I was listening, there was, you know, my ego was like, she's wrong. Right. Like, but it's, I'm keeping it in my head and I'm just like trying to get present, just trying to listen. Yeah. I kept pushing my resistance out of the way. And at the end, um, I sat there quietly and I was like, I don't know what to say. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't disagreeing with her. I wasn't that she was wrong. I was like, I actually don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't see, like, I don't see what you're sharing with me. And it was, interesting because there's a part of me that was like just apologize she'll be happy right if i just say i'm sorry even if i don't know what i'm sorry for that's she'll be happy but that doesn't feel authentic and real because i really didn't get why she was upset and that's also hard to be with like i think of myself as pretty intelligent like why don't i understand why can't i get inside of what's actually wrong for her and and i was like I, I really just don't know what to say and she was clearly frustrated and hurt and she was like all right i'm just gonna like 
leave this. And she, you know, went along with her day and obviously was upset. And like, you know, 24 hours later, she was like, it's so hard for me to not have you apologize or understand. And like, I'm hearing that same thing, right? Like she, she's so not, I don't relate to her as a controlling person, but in, in some of those times, like, I think that's often when we get into stuff is that idea that like, I should be able to see it right. If I hurt her feelings, I should be able to understand, or I should see it that way. And I think, and ultimate, and my old self would have just been defending and pushing against, which only makes things worse. And I think sometimes like we get to these places where we, it's not agree to disagree and it's not a push against. It's like, I'm actually not going to be able to get that person where I want them to be. And it's actually okay. Right. Cause they're like an individual person and like, they can't, yeah. they're not my mannequin to twiddle around. <laughs> um, but that's so hard. Right. Cause there's a part of me that was like, man, I really want her to be feel, I wanted her to feel better. Yeah. But I, but I was like totally and like in this present moment, right? Like in the future, I might be able to get to a place where I do. Yes. Yeah. But in the present moment, like I couldn't, I could either lie or or just be where I really was, which was like, hey, I, don't, I actually don't see it. Like, I don't get it. Okay, that's like a really great example. Cause it's not, it's not a huge thing. Like those are all the little ways that you're like, can you just be and say what I need right now for me? <laughs> and they're just not, like they're not going to, they're, they're a different person. What I'm getting from the journey, this journey that I'm on right now around that is like, it's not his responsibility to give me what I need. I mean, there is an extent to it. Like we're an interdependent relationship. So I, there's some reliance on it, but I like happiness is an inside job. It's up to me. It's up to me to generate what I need in the moment and then not make him wrong if he doesn't give me that. And that's been, that's part of the releasing control. You just can't and won't with another human being. Let the man live. Yeah. So in that moment of like, you didn't, she didn't get that apology. Like what I'm learning is like having compassion for that person and whatever they've been through and why they might not. And then go be on my merry way and be happy regardless. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm going slow because I feel like Craig has something. Yeah, Craig has something. Oh, I'm just not there yet, personally. Mm. We just had a vacation to Europe, 15 days, amazing. I admittedly needed more rest. My partner did not. And when I'm a little sleep deprived, I get a little triggered. <laughs> and when I'm triggered, I want an apology. I'm an Aries. I will ask for my needs to be met and stand for them to be met. And I will hold up a dinner until they are met. And, uh, I think there's something really beautiful in what you said, Laura, about being able to love the person where they're at and being self-sufficient. And I'm just reminded that, you know, we talk about raising kids, it takes a village. And I think there's an unfair expectation that we place upon our partners in the West that, A, we should be fully self-sufficient. And if not, they should help us as a duo or trio, depending, be sufficient. And really it's a whole community of care. You know, it's like changing the paradigm from self-care to communal care, but but being uh, an owner of your own well-being. And um, I'm just present to, I'm a little insular with my communal care. Like I really do lean on myself and my partner as like my energy or my source. So when I need something, that's like the safest space to turn to. And uh, I could just, I could open myself up more to a lot of friends and family could probably nourish me so I could more easily love my partner no matter his process instead of uh, knocking on that door when he wants to be sleeping, <laughs> you know, metaphorically or yeah. in real life. Same, same. I'm a Scorpio. So I think we're like very possessive, like the dark parts of us. So, and the way that I identify that is just like, my world is my husband and my kids. Like, I just want us. That's all I need in this whole entire world. And um, I married a guy that's not like that. Like, he's got friends. He's got hobbies and sports shit and blah, blah, blah. Um, so he used to, like, personally hurt me until I'm learning, like, he just gets to be a person. And it's my job to go find all the things. Because talking about range of a person, like... 
what hobbies do I have and friendships and where can I open up more and get those needs met? Cause like you said, in, in the modern world, this has been created, but way back in the day, like you got all your needs met by all the ways, by the village churches, spiritual communities, friendships, family was really close and really reconnecting to that. Oh, I want to throw a, a, a something in here and see how you both respond to it. So I have, I have a, a belief and it's, it's again, this would take us into the spiritual and out of like the human Yay. Um, that from the spiritual perspective, we actually have no needs that life doesn't end. We move on. We, we, you know, there's, there's no death. We like move on to just another energetic place. Um, and that if we are whole and complete, and we are part of something bigger, then we actually have everything we need all the time. And that the only reason that we think that we need something is because we have this like fear of death or fear that, you know, we're not enough or fear that God is like judging us, right? We've projected all these human things and that we actually have, we're fully whole and complete as we are, which leave us with no needs. Now we might have wants, um, and again, I, I preface that with like from a spiritual, right? From a human conversation, there's obviously people that like need food, air, shelter, water, like lots of those things. But again, if we take it higher and we say, hey, we're all part of this same thing and we can we can connect with that, that we have everything we need right inside of us with who we are. How do you both, how does, how does that land? It's something I'm like, I, I believe it. Like, like there's a like from- Here, right? Yeah. Well, I, no, it's like, I believe it in my heart. Like I actually, in my head can make it go, that's not true. That doesn't make sense. Right. Cause it can point to all the things like, well, if you don't have this, you get kicked out of your house. So you need money. But mm -hmm. my heart is like, no, but it's all like, it, there's a trust and a faith in something bigger than this, like silly little world that we've created. Um, and my head wants to disprove it, but my heart really believes it. And so it's a, it's a practice actually that I have that's a release control practice. That is, I don't need to do or be anything. I just get to do or be what I want and show up and that things do take care of themselves and things will work out. A lot of people don't like when I talk about this, it's a really sensitive because people get right into really into the human and the suffering. I have something, Craig, do you have? Oh, Laura, I was going to let you lead the way. I've got oh. something I'm happy to be better up after you. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball <laughs> metaphors all over the place today. <laughs> oh, wait, what was I going to say about, uh, well, actually during the releasing, like things were really falling apart around me. It felt like I had child issues. I was having relationship issues, like things really needed to change. Um, but it's so hard to articulate because you know it up here to release control, but you, it's really hard and scary. Unless you've been through it, it's like I said, it's really hard to articulate. Um, but during that time, I went back to God because I had noticed, like I've been a spiritual person, um, but when you're like that controlling, you and God are like kind of acquaintances at best. So I'm like, okay. God, I am falling to my knees. I don't know how to do this. You got to do this. I'm, and I, I'm realizing like, I can't control anything. Take this all away. And in those moments, it's kind of when I found that realization, like it's all like, it's all there, Laura, like you're going to be okay. And I got this sense of peace and comfort that I hadn't gotten. I went to Christian college. So me and God were like really good back in the day. That was 15 years ago. And I used to be like the girl who would be like, I, I love you and I need you and, and we're here and this is all I need. And then control and manage took right over and it's been kind of like my MO. So going back to God has been my saving grace. But like in that, it's, we have everything we need. I can, I can get on board with that conversation more than ever. Like there's nothing really, really that we need. Like we don't need that apology. We don't need that treatment need so i'm digesting it like i'm i'm on board i think it's fair my, <laughs> my thing is this so i would co-sign what you said alex i think we're all you know spiritual people having a 
very human experience. And that's kind of like the invitation of life, which is to have the fullest expression of our humanity, which admittedly is like a part of this need, want, desire, and as a result, control. And I think when I look at my most spiritual experiences, you know, both just in life walking around or like ayahuasca or meditation, things that have always come to me have been like the invitation is just to vibrate authentically. <clears throat> it doesn't say create a massive empire. It doesn't say heal the world. It just says to be energetically and to vibrate as who you are and that all will come to you as a result. So this to me says, A, yeah, we're whole. But B, I think I used to think of wholeness as everything being inside of me for me to express or articulate or to create with. And now I view life more as like a symphony where I'm vibrating as me and the things I'm meant to receive are gonna come from beyond me to me because of other vibrations, right? And that I will create things for others totally, but it's so much more a, a commingling, a, a dance party, if you will, than it is me being fully sufficient i think that at this point in my development i still attach that to like my egoic identity where i've got to be fully capable and creating and there's something that is just more um i think vulnerable and, and supportive for me to be willing to receive in different ways too does that make sense i'm still digesting I think what? what i'm getting so far is just like we are no longer willing to just be like in the human, like, oh, I have feelings. Oh, I have a bad day. Like we're willing to transcend that conversation. Be like what, what's actually going on and looking from above, which is cool. I love that you said symphony. Cause what the, the way I kind of, so I'm going to blow this up, but almost like my vision of the bigger thing is like, imagine if God was like a being and we're all pieces of that being. So, right, like your arm is a part of you, but it's also independent of you, right? Your arm, your one of your arms can do whatever it wants, and yet it's a part of who you are. And so I think of like me or any of us as like, we're like one cell in like this giant, you know, universe of a being, right? And if you think about our own bodies, the, a cell in my body's job is not to run around and change all the other cells. It's just to be a healthy cell. It's just to like do it's like one function and whatever it is. And what happens when things start going wrong in the body, right, is like a cell essentially turns negative or, you know, infected or battered, goes to a place that isn't serving of it. And then what does it do? It runs around and infects essentially all the other cells and then you disrupt the whole system. And I think we see that a lot inside of our world as humans. And, but it's not always negative. The, the people that think they have the right answers or the positive answers are also those cells running around trying to change everyone else. And I think the work that we really do as, as, as we've been trained in ontology, all, all of us, is like, it's about who you're being. Your job is just to be this cell and that the cells that want to be like you or, or, or attracted gravitate towards you. And, and, and then there's a working together like in the symphony to make the whole thing bigger. But in the needs, the, the wants, the desires, the rights and wrongs, it actually, even if they're positive things, we're running around infecting the system, not actually just being like the, the, the thing that we were meant to be. Did I, just, did I just like make it way too confusing? Also digesting that. No, no, I, I enjoyed that metaphor. It, it, goes, it goes in alignment with like all the things about just like our only job is to be and be great with or without anything else and people will gravitate towards you with similar cells or, or not. Um, I like that. I just keep okay. seeing mitochondria in my head. Not gonna <laughs> From science, from fifth grade science class. Oh, totally. And you know, the thing that I like about what you said, Alex is, this is why we talk about purpose so much in coaching. I think, and we can talk about the job of a cell or we can talk about the job of an individual or humanity, but if we took job out, like what else is there for each one of us? And this is why you know, I think the conversation of spirituality is so important for everyone, no matter if we're agnostic or not, because this is where we cultivate our purpose, 
where we learn really what we choose or co-create, what is ourselves are going to do? And there's a lot of unlearning in that process. I thought I was supposed to be a workaholic powerhouse. I used to do 80 hour weeks and get a lot of shit done. And my soul was dead. <laughs> uh, my relationships were dead as a result, as happy as they were on the surface. They were very uh, surface level. They were very few, they wouldn't last long. And my real purpose right now is really to connect and to be and everything else in my life has leveled up. Minus, you know, my work hours, which have dropped to 15 a week. But that took a lot of conscious, like, reprogramming and unlearning. And there's no way I would have gotten that without coaching. Without coaching? Yeah. Yeah. We all go through the journey. My purpose is love, but I haven't really gotten it on that molecular cellular level until recently. Like, oh, yeah. Because you have to let go of some of that other stuff that gets in the way. Mm, I just how wrote a, be, uh, oh, Craig, go ahead. What? Well, how do you be love now? Now that you've had some breakthroughs in it, what's the being of your purpose like these days? Well, I didn't know like that that control and manage was so in the way. I really didn't know. I could access love. And I thought it was enough. But now I can really access it, like for real. With this new, it had to get pretty bad for me to realize how much control and manage was messing up the joint. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I don't know what I was gonna. I was gonna throw something in there. Um, well, I want to. I want to make sure we give, uh, Laura, I want to make sure you have like kind of the last word, anything you want to offer, um, you know, the, the, the listeners. Um, and I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you both. Um, Laura, if people want to work with you, um, who, before we even jump there, let's just, who are the people that would want to work with you? What are the, what are the corporate clients? What are the individual clients? How do they know if they're listening? High performing women, if you heard anything in my journey, you should work with me because I'm I'm there with you, maybe like one inch ahead, trying to figure this out of doing less, slowing down, creating more, being more in your body, back to that soft space that you let go of a long time ago because you had to be corporate and high functioning and perform all the time. Mm-hmm. How can you work with me? You could just email me at laura.fink at accomplishmentcoaching.com. I have a website and all that stuff that I'm going to rebrand, but it's coachlaurafink.com. If, um, are you leading a program for accomplishment coaching? Mm-hmm. Is it started? Is it, is there one coming up? Yeah, we're about to end. Um, uh, and the next one will start in August 22nd and it's a mid midweek program. No weekends. I don't work weekends balance um but it's a weekday program year-long coach training great for moms want to be with their kids yeah if you're a coach um a lot of coaches do this do the program even after they've started coaching it's so much more than just like coach training it's like full-on transformation um i could have got the coach training that accomplishment coaching gave without the transformation and i wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here. It was the transformation, right? That like really was the thing. And you were a big part of that. So if people want to find out more accomplishmentcoaching.com, they can like check out the the program, the next program. Um, anything you want to offer to, as a last word from this conversation or anything that we didn't touch on and offer to listeners? Slow down. Let's create a new movement of slowing down and it's in the moments the journey is the moments not the the getting to that end destination or goal and lots and lots of compassion along the way craig where can people find you if they want to work with you who are they uh well if you are looking for a delicious life, you're ready to turn up the passion in your relationships, the passion you have for work, make more or less time, but also have a lifestyle that feels yummy 
everywhere, then I would love to talk and to work with you. You can find me on Instagram. I post content every day around relationships, sex, and business and how they intersect. Alex, you just read my post on how orgasms can inform you on business practices and relationship okay. lessons. Um, you can find more of that content at Craig Cassie Jr. That's C-A-S-S-E-Y uh, Jr. at Instagram or CraigCassie.com. Yeah, you, there must be something to your social media because I'm sitting on the couch, you know, doing what I was doing and Evan walks in and she's like, do you want to read what Craig just posted about orgasms? And I'm like, oh yeah, I've been waiting for, I've been waiting hours for you to bring this to me. Um, and she's like, well, we're going to read it together. And she like read it out loud and she was so excited. And <laughs> so if you have an Instagram that your partners are reading aloud to you, you're doing something right. You're doing they're, something they're, right. Yeah, other pe- if other people are reading your Instagram out loud to their partners, you're doing something right. Um, and maybe there's a hint in there for me. Maybe I should go back and like reread. With you. <laughs> um, uh, and I am Alex Terranova. You can find me at thedreammason.com. Um, and I think the thing that I would just leave everyone with is it's all about, I love Laura, you said it's all about the journey. I, the thing that I, I work with men like you, the same type of men that you work with women. And it's, for me, it's really about the experience. If you have all the money in the world and you're miserable, what a waste of money. If you have all the money in the world and you have a miserable relationship, well, how are you living a great life? Like you actually have to have all the components of your life in somewhat thriving to actually have a great life. And as men, we've been really conditioned to, you know, make that money or, or achieve that thing and forget about those other pieces and think they're just going to fall in line and, and they don't. Thank you listeners for listening. Uh, Laura, thanks for just being in a free flowy conversation with us with really like no plan and um, letting us take advantage of, of Christopher's show and his platform. Um, Craig, thanks for partnering with me again and uh, listeners. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, Craig. Great to spend time with you and you too, Alex. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.